Martini and Montel here with another edition of Let's Be Blunt, where we talk about everything and anything cannabis, making sure that we give you as much information as you possibly can get and need to help you navigate this space in a better way. And, you know, there's a lot of choices out there. And so I want to make sure you get the education that you need to understand that when you go out and make purchases, you get things that are working for you. And so we do cover everything and anything cannabis. We also cover some other issues, making sure that we're going to keep you up to date on what's going on, especially in this election year. So you'll notice that I'll be covering some other topics along the way. And they're very topics just to make sure we keep you apprised of what's happening around you. But today I'm in Florida, in Miami, Florida, and have an unbelievable guest with us today. He's the CEO and inventor and of the award-winning Magic, Magical Butter Machine, a self-contained appliance that produces cannabis-infused butter oil, tincture, gummies, lotion, and much, much more. He founded the Cheers to Goodness Foundation, a unique nonprofit charity dedicated to uplifting medical refugees, and the organization provides financial assistance to patients in need of specialized medical treatment. Most recently, donating MB2E machines to medical marijuana patients in need in the aftermath of Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico. He's been named one of High Times' 100 Most Influential People in Cannabis for the past two years in a row. Garen, thank you so much for being with us here today, sir. Montel, I love you, brother. It's always nice to see your face. Absolutely. And, you know, for those people who don't know, let's go back a little bit and talk a little bit about your background as an inventor and an entrepreneur. Let's talk about that. Yeah, I, I've always been an entrepreneur. I started selling bubble gum out of my backpack in sixth and seventh grade. <laughs> You know, just a, a real let's take something and, and sell it for more was the original process of my brain. And after I made money and accumulated enough cash, I realized that that's a pretty empty feeling. Cash isn't really the king to life. Right. And I know you, you're on that exact same journey. Sure. So just sharing that energy and understanding that life has no angles. I think we'll come back to that a few times throughout this podcast. Okay, absolutely. So that's what started you down a path. But now you didn't jump in immediately into the medical, I mean, the magical bullet machine. What was your first entrepreneurial experience? So I was a money manager. That way, I should say first after the bubblegum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So after bubblegum, my first thing, I had a computer company. My dad, my dad owned one of the first Apple franchises in the world. So I grew up in a pretty geeky background, cutting, you know, microprocessors and, and uh, circuits off of, uh, off of PCB boards at a young age. And that went towards money management. I graduated college at 20 and was real aggressive my whole life as far as entrepreneurial spirit. But when, when you help someone, when you're able to serve a community, that's when you're getting a gift. Mm -hmm. So much of our life is about making money because nine to five for the average person is, how do I get a paycheck to feed my family? Yes. Once you've achieved that, then please start serving other people. Well, you know, one of the greatest quotes of the last century was, you know, uh, a, living is, uh, a living is made by what you get. A life is made by what you give. Give, baby. No question. And you've given so much, Montel, oh, through no, the years, you, brother. I, I watch, and a lot, you don't, a lot of people don't understand that Montel served his whole life. If you go back to the, the, his military duty, and, and then you, we all know him from his, his speaking on, on all, all the important topics on his talk shows through the years. But in reality, still to this day, you're still serving veterans. You're still helping patients. Absolutely. You're out there every day grinding, helping others. Have it's to, inspiring, man. brother. I mean, it's what, you know, it's what life is all about. I mean, you know, to live life for self alone is really almost worthless. It's empty. So absolutely. You have to be able to reach out. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're, you know, we're here for such a short period of time, 
and you, you stop and think about it for just if you pondered it for one second, there's probably been close to, you know, 15 billion people who have lived and walked this planet in the last, you know, 2,000 years, and not many people can name more than about five. So Let's say name five historical figures that you respect. Most people will come up with maybe five. So out of 15 billion, you can only remember five, and that's only because, and the ones that you remember will be people, most people say Gandhi, most people will say, you know, in a negative way, they might say Hitler because they remember a name of somebody who did so much damage to humanity. But most people can't name five people. And, you know, not that I want to be named, you know, a thousand years from now, but, you know, that means that my contribution wasn't as great as it could have been if I can't be named. Leaving your marks all over the world. Yeah, that's, that's what this is about. It's about traveling, getting involved in culture, and just finding something that helps you serve others without taking. Absolutely. That's the biggest key. And, you know, I mean, I think what people don't understand is that when you say without taking, taking doesn't mean that you can't be remunerated for what you've done. There's nothing wrong with remuneration, and there's nothing wrong with you making a living. It's just if you only live for that alone. So my definition of taking is this. When we exchange, whatever it is, the value is more to the other person than it was to you. And so if you're selling something, and we're talking about cannabis goods at this point, but this applies to anything in general. When you're doing that exchange, always make sure that you're providing more value to the person than the cash is worth that you're taking. Absolutely. And when you do that, that's when you're living in a service world. So then now you shifted over to the cannabis world. What got you started in cannabis? I had a friend with Crohn's disease. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I had a very successful career managing money for large family offices and, and, and lo- people of significant wealth. It's a way to make money. And you can help people. But when you're helping people who are already rich... It's not the same as when you're helping someone who's dying or debilitated or really needs – they're underserved or unserved. And that's – the exchange there is much different than, well, we got a 12% ROI. Right. Uh, it, it's, it's immeasurable, the, the depth to the relationship. And when you can get out of transactional relationships and get into relationships of depth – that's when you really get goosebumps on your skin. That's when you're, that's when you're in passion. Mm-hmm. And when you live with passion, that's how you leave a mark. And if you want to be one of the, the five names that people remember, whether that's you know in the terrible way or in the great way, you got to leave your mark. I think we're in a transitional period in, in the world where we're actually moving to a spot where people are just happy and healthy and joyful it's been a long process to get here for, for mankind or humankind. I feel we're closer than we've ever been. I would much rather be alive today than 100 years ago. I'm, I'm, I love it today, but I think what's happened, though, is because of technology and the way that we have misused technology, we've become more narcissistic than I think we've ever been as, as a race, as, as a race of people, as a, as a part of the human race. I mean, I think, you know... Uh, you can go back in time and, and, you know, no matter what period you look at in our history, it was a sense of community of some sort. Whether or not it's one community that wants to lord over another, there was a group of people who recognized the benefit of being in a group. Now I think we're living at a time when people are trying to define the benefit of living individually. 
And, you know, I mean, I think it's that idea of, you know, holding that, that uh, cell phone up and taking a click of, you know, yourself when you're going to the bathroom. I mean, who cares? Honestly, or taking a click of yourself when you're sitting down and eating a meal. Who cares? There are people who tune in to take a look at that picture of the food that you set up, you put up there. But how much does that impact society? And I think, unfortunately, for me, I just think that we're that we are living at some of the best of times. I fear that you know we may be misguided at what the best of times could really mean for us so many more. Because there's so much more that we could be doing rather than taking a picture of the plate of food I'm about to consume. I could be taking a picture of, you know, the tip that I gave the person who served it to me. Completely agree. Or I could be taking a picture of the leftovers that I put in the box and gave to the person sitting outside in the street and on the corner because there's so many more people sitting outside in the street in the corner. But we're not doing that. It's coming. I know it is okay. because I, I have two kids. I have a 12 and a 13 year old boy. Mm-hmm. My my son's favorite YouTuber is Mr. Beast, and I don't know if you're familiar with Mr. Beast or not. Mm-hmm. We watch his shows or his new episodes every day and or every time they come out. They're all about giving and supporting community. Mm-hmm. I really feel that the future of money or monetization is how do you build community, not how do you exchange goods. Mm-hmm. As we move along with AI, and I know this is a little futuristic, but let's also be realistic. If you're not living in the future now, you're you're probably not living your best life. I, I've watched you live your life and mm-hmm. always been a super fan of, of yours. I, sure. I, tremendous respect for you as a legend and staying on the tip of the spear. And what you've always done is you've always been at the forefront of the issues. When you look at cannabis, you were one of the arrows piercing that veil through with a big microphone, changing changing the mentality, the the need for veteran care you've been sure. one of the only proponents of it for a 20 year 30 year period and, and when you look at that that's building community mm-hmm. and I, I get it I, I see it because my window's been a little shorter all right my window's been 2010 I started making investments in the cannabis industry right. and I built a great community my whole life but it was without purpose if you will the community that's been built over the last nine years in this cannabis industry, they're about people really trying to move public health forward. Not all of them. Right. But that's another, that's another area that we can talk about for hours on end. It's, it's you know, like I've, I've been disappointed in our business in this industry. I started working in cannabis 20 years ago, long before it was Vogue, long before it was the Green Rush, back at a time when, you know, I couldn't get, you know, a celebrity in Hollywood to step up and back me for the fact that, you know, I was out and as outspoken as I was talking about the fact that I use, I use on a daily basis. I'm using to mitigate, you know, some of my issues that I had with MS and hoping that I could help people understand that, you know, I was having a private conversation with my doctor and you don't need to be a part of it. You know what I mean? Other people don't need to be a part of that conversation. A person should be able to go to their doctor and if the doctor is smart enough to recommend, you know, a drug that's going to burn a person from the inside out like chemotherapy, if that same doctor who's as educated as he is recommends cannabis, then everybody else should just shut up, stay out of the conversation. But unfortunately, you know, the industry has grown so quickly that I, I say it all the time. You know, when I first started, and it's my whole objective was to take the patient off the battlefield. And we had an industry that initially started that seemed that that's what they wanted to do. I can remember back in the days when there were people being carted away, 
you know, laying on gurneys with IVs in them in Northern California, carted away because they had five plants growing in their backyard. And I was trying to think, this is really ridiculous. We should be fighting against the injustice of locking up a person just because they're trying to survive. So let's take the patient off the battlefield. And then that's translated into how fast can I grow a business? So there's a lot of people who are in this industry right now that, you know, got involved because they wanted to be a part of the green rush, the gold rush, and forgot and are still leaving the patients on the battlefield. They're driving by with trucks, but the truck doesn't have a big H printed on the rooftop. It's just a truck driving by trying to provide supplies, trying to provide infrastructure, rather than remembering that the trucks that are on the battlefield with a big H, they are emergency vehicles that stop to pick up a patient and take them off the battlefield, take them back to triage first. That's who we help first. Then we figure out how to buy more trucks. Then we figure out how to provide big buildings. But let's get the patient off the battlefield. And now, you know, the industry has shifted so quickly into let's think about adult use nationwide. And then I even think that those who are in favor of adult use don't understand that almost all the adults that use that are gravitated to cannabis do so because of some underlying medical issue that they may not even be aware of themselves. They may not want to admit to themselves, but most of them have made the choice between cannabis and alcohol because, you know, they get much more cessation of, you know, uh, anxiety. It helps more with their sleep. That's a medical issue. So... Self-awareness. I got to get self-awareness. We got to get people to start focusing back on, I think, what is the root reason for starting this process. Money's going to come. Is that that's that's not even that we haven't even this haven't even scratched the surface when it comes to the cannabis industry worldwide it has not even begun. There was a period of time when you know most people don't recognize that the entire you know financial infrastructure of this country was based on cannabis. Some might argue that the only reason why it's prohibitive is because hemp was a threat for too many other agricultural products, right? Yeah, like, right. it's it's that simple. That Absolutely. If you go back to Prohibition, hemp was a threat to too many other products. And even and if you remember back to Prohibition, the leader in the fight against cannabis and hemp was Henry Anslinger. Henry Anslinger was a huge supporter of cannabis during alcohol Prohibition. He actually used to run around the country doing speeches about the fact that, you know, cannabis was less violent. They were seeing the fact that there wasn't violent outbursts. It wasn't until he lost his job as a prohibitionist that he needed to figure out a way to get paid. So he teamed up with William Randolph Hearst and, you know, Charles DuPont and said, hmm, I think I'm going to help you guys destroy more trees. I'm going to help you destroy and, and create these things called, you know, synthetic textiles. And most people don't remember that, you know, the only thing that the North and South really had in common during the Civil War is the fact that about 60% of our uniforms were made from hemp fiber. Ropes. Rope, oh. sails. You know, the word canvas comes from cannabis. Where do we think this is going as we, as we continue to unpack this? We know that hemp is, is a massive crop at this point. And unfortunately, this has been a tough season. If, if you're getting into the hemp growing business, you may or may not have an outlet for your finished product. There's a lot of farmers that put millions of dollars into crop that is in question because the federal regulations, specifically the FDA's 
ruling and, and enforcement letters on FDA makes Fortune 500 companies skittish to enter the space. So in one side, it's good because it allows I, – I, I know you have a, a CBD brand. Sure. And, and it allows you to have an opportunity to compete against a Coke or a, you know, a Budweiser or, or a real CPG company that, that's focused so much with unlimited resources behind them. That's the opportunity, but it's also at a, at a high internal cost. The internal cost is that these are dietary essentials that are being restricted, and the real scientific data is being withheld from the patient or the consumer Correct. simply because our government is archaic in their approach. There's no logic behind There's it. There's been no logic behind this. Most people, again, I talk about it quite a bit on the, this podcast, is the fact that most people don't know that this government has been dispensing cannabis in the marijuana form for well over 46 years. This government has been funding research around the world for over 46 years, funding research here in the United Mishulam. States. Mishulam. That's right. I mean, we, funded funded, we funded Mishulam. We funded, we funded the University of Mississippi. Of, yeah. I mean, we, yeah. Did, we funded the discovery of Correct. all of it. Of THC, CBD, the endocannabinoid yeah. system, and all the, the individual uh, Correct. It's all ours. Uh, right. But at the same time, and you can take a look again at the abstract for you know, the U.S. patent on CBD, it states unequivocally what the government has already proven that it knows that CBD is Why do we hurt doing. farmers? Why do we hurt farmers? It seems so counterbalanced to, to everything protect, about global warming. To protect warming. other businesses. To protect other businesses. We it's, don't even understand, understand the impact of cannabis or hemp on global warming. We don't understand the impact of what hemp could do for farmers. Remediation of soils. Correct. Like, j- just... The simple things that we can do with this. There are two companies that started in the last two years that have proven that hemp cellulose and fiber is a better medium for electrical storage than graphite. So there are battery companies that are using hemp fiber right now to store electricity. And we have the issues that we have with alternative sources of energy. It could be an incredible alternative source of energy, but... Again, it is more stupidity and, I think, hypocrisy. Hypocrisy in the fact that those who are in the power to make the decisions know the truth. But just like right now, we have people who are trying to disband or or completely get rid of all of the regulation uh, uh, towards the industries that are causing most of the damage through global warming... And trying to say, yeah, oh, no, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. We'll get rid of these regulations. They know the truth, but these are people who are focused more on how they can line their own pocket as quickly as they can before the bubble burst. And you know, I often wonder why is anybody asking the question, "Where are you going to spend the money when the bubble burst?" And for cannabis, I think the bubble did burst. I think the bubble started bursting in June. If you look at the market capitalization of the largest cannabis companies, it's been a anywhere between a, a 90 and a 50% retraction in their market caps. They've really felt it. You have companies like MedMen potentially on the brink of bankruptcy with a market cap of sub $100 million when six, seven months ago they were anywhere between a billion five and $3 billion to... I think, though, this is just a retraction, momentary retraction. Agreed. Depending on, it doesn't even matter who's in power. You know, you can only deny truth for so long. And um, 
time clock. Whether, whether they like it or not, I mean, you know, there are so many, I've been interviewing you know, doctors and specialists who are proving the efficaciousness of cannabis and cannabis as a you know, medical uh, uh, agent, and you can't put that cat back in the bag. How much bigger than cannabis does this get in, with regards to plant-derived compounds? Well, but, you know, we have focused on plant-derived medicine for over 40 years. Some of the top, uh, you know, uh, oncology drugs are based solely on plants that we found in the rainforest. And we know, you know, if, if again, we have the audacity to claim that we believe, you know, that Albert Einstein was right when he said for every action is an equal and opposite reaction, there's an equal and opposite reaction to everything that happens in nature. So if nature created a you know, a virus or a bacteria, there was something that nature created to destroy that. We just haven't found it yet. And we may not ever be able to find it with, the, you know, the speed in which we are burning down rainforest. You know, um, hopefully, you know, there are scientists that are there right now trying to stay, you know, inches ahead of the flames to grab plants that we may never, ever, ever, ever see again because we're burning them down. But some of the cures to those things that are going to destroy us exist. They're there, and we know this. We've known this, and science knows this. It's just a matter of, you know, those who are willing to take the patient up the battlefield, you know, to put an H on the top of that truck rather than buy more trucks. And there are some out there that I think are trying their best to do that. And I'm an optimist in the sense that I think that though there has been this, this contraction in this industry, I think it's getting ready to just like you know before a supernova exp- uh, explodes or a black hole explodes, you know it contracts and tracks and tracks and tracks and tracks and then it blows up and explodes. That's what's happening, I think, in the cannabis business. And I I see it in a similar mindset. I look at the spiritual awakening of the human being, and I think cannabis is one of those steps. There's been a lot of talk through the years about cannabis being a gateway drug. I look at the now men- we know it's an exit drug. Yeah, I look at the mental health epidemic that we're that we're suffering through, and I, I will say a lot of what you had said earlier was, "Are we at the best point in life?" I I feel we are, but we're the problems are exasper- exasperated, right? Like we're looking at them on a giant scale because of social media and because of the Instagram. You see this the the personality defects and and some of the psychological issues that come around wealth and, and, and how that's disconnected from well-being. When we look downstream a little bit further, though, I really think there's a path towards mental happiness and a life without angles, where we get to a spherical energy where all of us are contributing. When, when we look at the challenges, right? Like you, I know you've been in some bad situations. I've been in some bad situations. And it's always been because somebody had an angle. Mm-hmm. whatever was being given back to them wasn't being pushed back. Right. So that's, that's the challenge that we've faced as humankind. As we've evolved as a species, there's been less and less and less of that. I think that a lot of these plant-derived compounds really give people the ability to, to see the world in a more spherical light and have no angles in their personal life. Mm-hmm. I know for me personally, cannabis has made me much more self-aware mm-hmm. of my goods and my bads. And it's allowed me to double and triple and quadruple down on my, on my good tendencies and eliminate my bad ones because the feeling, the guilt, the, the terrible carryover that I had from 
whatever I said or did, I, I was so conscious. And it wasn't that it was hurtful for someone else. It was that hurtful I didn't like the... Per- exactly. Yeah. I didn't like the energy. I, I'm all about throwing positives 24-7. Sure. And when there's a negative that comes out of my mouth, I really want to dissect it and figure out how next time when I'm in that situation, how could I reword that and make it a positive? And that's simply because I'm more self-aware. And, and when, you, when you're living a natural, holistic life, you become incredibly self-aware of all of the beings around you, from, from the ants to the plants to the people. Right, and that's really, I guess that's what started you down the path. What, what, what made you think, let me create this machine? How did that start? Let's talk about the magical... Magical butter machine. I was with a friend who had Crohn's disease, and inhalation had been his modality for containing his side effects of his that disease. That was his delivery system. And his asthma made it so he could no longer inhale cannabis. He was trying to cook it at home. I'm sure many of the, many of the, the podcast listeners here have tried to make brownies or cookies or whatever it is you're trying to make at home. And usually, let's be realistic, that's... That's an adolescent state. You know, let's say you're in college, 22, 24, whatever age you are, you're with your friends. When there's a real medical need, you're trying to get away from the sugars and the snacks and all the rest right. of it and get toward, towards a more holistic way to, to take this as a dietary supplement. And even when you're making those brownies, there was no way to do it. There was no set system. Right. You used a crock pot or a pan. And that's, that's the gap. That's the innovation. That's anybody who's listening who's an entrepreneur, that's what you're looking for is you're looking for unserved or underserved people. If you want to enjoy your income and actually sleep well at night, it's because you're helping somebody or, or a community that's unserved or underserved. I'm certain that some of your most fulfilling work is, is with the veterans or, oh, or with the children that you've worked with through sure. the years. And it's the same thing. This is this was a way to help people. Specifically, it started with Crohn's disease, and and now, look, MS is a big factor. And sure. I, at the time, I'll I'll be very candid. I didn't know that cannabis had as much effect on the body as it does. But right. every disease known to mankind interacts with our endocannabinoid system. Correct. If you have a disease, you need to understand that interaction. And I'm not saying it's for you. It's definitely not a panacea. But if between a balanced diet, good exercise, great mental health regime, really invest in your mental health. I, th- I think that's what yes, you've done better absolutely. than anybody else, right? Invest in your mental health. Get yourself to a stable spot so you can help others. And then project. And then when you start to do that and you start to heal the community that you're afflicted by, and that's, that's really what you've done. I, I don't mm-hmm. know that I'm telling my story or yours sure. at this point, but, but you've, you've helped – an entire community of of people suffering from MS, and it's something that's very dear to my heart. I, I have a sibling that mm-hmm. is challenged by MS, gotcha. and she has a, a banking job, and it's it's actually a sister of mine. Um, she can't use cannabis, mm-hmm. and we've been to Mayo Clinic, the best of the right. best of the best of the best physicians, and all these silly procedures. And I'm not calling them silly in a but I'm calling them silly because they didn't work. Right. Right. Like it, it, to me, something, if you do, it's silly if it didn't work. Right. right? And there's all these silly procedures and, and protocols that are put in place that have almost no chance of success. Instead of trying different 
alternatives. And that's, right. that's, that's why I'm here. That's why. Ultimately, that's why I left high-paying jobs to go after. And I, 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 has my net worth increased since I started in the cannabis industry? Yes, both through investment and operation. Has my net pay decreased significantly since I've been? I still don't take a paycheck. I'm seven years into a company. And it's not that the company can't afford it. It's that I'd rather repurpose those dollars towards affecting more change. Sure. And that's, I think there's a lot of beauty in this space. I really mm-hmm. do. When you, the, the patients and the people, it really depends on what you surround yourself right. by. Absolutely. When you're plugged in, we have over 300,000, I think maybe 350,000 customers now around the world. And it's, it's moms and, and grandmas and kids who, who've suffered and had nothing. And we make a device for $175 that helps them. It's a tool. Let's talk a little bit more about the device itself. Now, this device, you use multiple different mediums to be able to extract the cannabinoids out of the cellulose material and then infuse it in other products, right? So talk about the the things that you can actually use to make cannabis butter. We make cannabis a base ingredient. So it becomes a butter, an oil, a tincture, a skincare product, a suppository, and then it's applied for what you need. Uh, For example, people with Crohn's disease, suppositories are, are a tremendous asset. Absolutely. And unfortunately, in the American culture, it's kind of a joke. And it shouldn't be. It should because be. that's an absorption uh, uh, alternative, it, and 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 a good one. Right. Perhaps one of the best. Right. The, is, your microbiome and getting your gut health right is is the key to controlling a lot of disease state. Yes. Is having a healthy gut helps create a healthy brain, which when you put those two together, your heart gets healthy, and and then your body gets healthy, mm-hmm. and. It all starts in what we ingest and, and how how we work out. And when you take a look at okay, when you take a look at something like Crohn's disease, what's the best medium that you use, or what's the one that most people say back to you has gotten them the most benefit? So um, SNS suppository and salad dressings. Got it. Okay, so uh, it, if you're inspired to eat healthy because a it tastes incredible but you know that it's a functional food product that's giving you the nutrients that you need to balance your microbiome, you're a lot more inclined to have that than a cheeseburger or fried chicken wings and sure. a beer. And that's, that's really it. It's, it's empowering patients to understand that suppositories, if you need them, take them, use mm-hmm. them. They're, they're incredible. They work. And, and eat more salad dressing because that in turn means you're eating more salads. Right. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Do you want to know how to become a social media influencer, how to grow an online business, how to make money from your laptop and build a profitable online company? Well, I'm going to show you how in my podcast, Living the Red Life. I built a million-dollar company at the age of 25, a $10 million company at the age of 30, and now I'm the A-list celebrity marketer that speaks around the world on how to transform businesses and make them profitable using Facebook ads, marketing, social media. My name is Rudy Moore, and I'm super pumped to bring you my podcast, Living the Red Life. I know this is going to become your new favorite podcast, and I'm going to show you how to grow a profitable online company step-by-step every single week. 
And so, so you would make the salad dressing using what oils? What would you use? We'll oil. use a, a, a variety olive of different oil, olive oil, oil coconut, coconut oil, oil, and avocado oil, avocado oil, grapes. And a, a lot of different people have have uh, sensitivities to different oils or, mm-hmm. or, or different fats. So understanding that person's body and then helping them craft a dietary plan that that suits their needs is is the key. None of us are alike. Right, that's that's right. like we're a fingerprint. What works for your body doesn't work for mine. Mm-hmm. I, 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 we had this conversation yesterday. I was actually with two patients, and one of sativa puts to sleep. One one of sativa wakes up, Correct. and. and I'm not there to say one does the other, right? right like right. you're, you're the user. You tell me what your experience is. And mm-hmm. when you look at it, it might not be what it says on paper, but I think so much of this is throwing the papers out self-experience through people who have already done this. So you have a guided, a guided journey. And right. if you look, I do think that when psychedelics are, are an important part of, of this equation long-term as well. I think that there's a lot of people that are suffering from mental health issues that, that need something more than cannabis. I, I know right, I've sure. done a tremendous amount of work with the veterans through the years, and I know it's, it's something that, that really inspires you and carries you through your life. Those soldiers did some, some things that they have to clear out of their head. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and there are some alternatives that are coming to bear right now that are helping that out. We're starting to do the proper research on those alternatives. How sad is it that we don't have this research? Well, you know what? The truth is that the research has been done. It it's has. It's just not been made available. It's not public. Correct. Right? And, yep. and it's not actionable. That's the right. problem. And I, we've seen a lack of interest from pharmaceutical companies in the cannabis industry. Of course, because in the end, you know, it's, it's just like you take a look at what's happened in the pharmaceutical industry when it comes to cannabis. There is absolutely zero reason other than the fact that the governing bodies or the bodies that, you know, give the blessing on the top require such exorbitant amounts of money to be spent that a pharmaceutical company getting into cannabis decides to put a product in the marketplace that's overpriced a thousand to two thousand times what it should be. Let's remember this is a weed. And at the beginning of time, that's what it was. And if you grew it the right way, right now, I'm still, I'm still completely thrown by the fact that we're still an industry that's trying to take a product, sit it in a back room with a, people, a whole bunch of people with scissors, and clip it down and make it look like a pretty little ball. Stop. How stupid is that? You could grow 15-foot plants, 20-foot plants. They could be grown with huge colas on them that literally are just inundated with medication. But we spend too much time getting a whole bunch of tremors in the bag so I can make sure that when I put it on the shelf in a store, sitting beside another thing in the shelf in the store, it looks like this pretty little ball. Why? Why? It's going to be another 10 years before we get past that stupidity. I know a large part of your focus through the years has been on the scientific delivery of these molecules yes. and, and the studies behind them. It's been a, a focus point of mine as well. And when you, when you understand the opportunity here, it's to cause a paradigm shift in public health. Yes. This is not about a short-term solution or monetizing a plant and making it look pretty on a dispensary shelf. This is really about how do you take somebody who has no answers and give them a life back? Right. 
extend extend their purpose and that still to this day when you look at that plant that's what i see i don't i don't see a green ball i see hope i see opportunity i I, I see life the industry's got to start turning its eyes in that direction or we'll find this industry like you just said contract to the point that it disappears again and it'll be another 30 years before we get back to the same place. Let me ask you another question. Have you been working a lot in decriminalization in your hometown? Is that right? Yeah. So Other initiatives? Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So the city of Port Ritchie is the smallest city in the United States to decriminalize cannabis. We have 2,500 residents. And what I did is I, I wanted to show other people how they could affect change in their local government. Mm-hmm. I, I, look, I, I'm a pretty fortunate soul i've i've been around all the right people my whole life much like you so if i want to meet with someone i can meet with someone i've had dinner with newt gingrich i've I've met with mitch mcconnell and Rand paul and given them what i thought needed to happen on on cannabis and hemp legislation but that's not where it starts that's that's the most difficult spot to affect change it really starts at your local municipality and i don't care if you're in a city of 2500 like me i'm I'm a good old country boy. Like, I, I really love being in a small town. I live my Monday through Friday in London, New York, Hong Kong, the, the mm-hmm. largest cities in the world. And my Saturday and Sunday, I'm in a town of 2,500 people with my wife and kids. And that's an underserved or unserved community where people were still being arrested for cannabis possession. So I spoke with the local politicians. And fortunately, I am a, a worldwide cannabis thought leader. So when I speak to them, I can bring in resources of ministers of health and, and things to give them on a quick five minute phone call. Look, this isn't the devil. This is, right. this is something that's beneficial for your community. You, you just don't understand the science yet. So we got, we got our politicians behind us and then we made a motion to, to move towards decriminalization. And it was a process. I'll tell you, I had to walk out of two meetings mm-hmm. um, and they called me back in Right, like, Garen, please don't leave. We want you here. We just, we don't understand it yet. Sure. But don't be afraid to close the file. I think so many people, when they get to a point of conflict, they, they want to respond back with negativity. Right. And your real move, if you're powerful, is to say, I'm going to close this file, and you're going to regret it. I'll come back to you when you're ready. Right. And what that does is it makes them ready. Get your politicians ready. Inspire them. I'll, I'll, I'll share my, my contact information throughout the podcast or later in the podcast. If you, if you want help on strategy on how you change your local laws, I'll give you the footprint. I'll share a video with give, you. Give them a website that they can reach out to you right now. So magicalbutter.com is, is our main site. We did just acquire the word magical around the world. So we own magical.com, Mexico. Canada, whatever, all the top-level domains and handles for Magical. Um, so angel at Magical is my email address. Please feel free to reach out to me. I'm here to help. My assistants will, will hit you back, and it'll get funneled into me. But we have a seven-step process for you to change your local law and go and do it. Invest the six months. Earlier, Montel and I were discussing there's five people on Earth that are probably remembered throughout multiple generations. Leave your mark on your local community by helping them. And you're going to save a teacher from getting arrested. You're going to help a grandma feel more comfortable consuming 
There's a lot of good that comes from this. And I've, I'm, a, I'm a firsthand witness of the waterfall of, of what happens when you affect change at both a local, a national, and a global level. Absolutely. And, you know, now what's what else? You, you've got to have some new products. So you're, as, a, as an entrepreneur, you don't sit back and just rest on your laurels. So what's coming I, next? I, I'm an inventor, and every day is day one for me. Every single day I wake up, and I'm inspired to do something new. Uh, you, you, look, I think there's a, a few different things. I'm one of the, the 2%, 3%, whatever it is, that uh, only needs four or five hours a night of sleep. A lot of people suffer from insomnia, and they need more sleep than that. They're just not getting it. Right. So we have some sleep aid products that are coming out. We have focus products. I, and I, I think we're all on that same path of just really giving people what they need. As far as tools to make your own extracts, we have, the, we have some new products coming out in Q1 and Q2 of next year, different sizes. I, th I think we've won nine cannabis cups now. So in that process, we've understood the importance of a uh, potent extract and getting the most out of, out of plants that cost a lot of money. I mean, a lot of these dispensaries are 15 to $20 a gram. Sure. So getting, getting that potency out and, and really delivering edibles to people in a, in a way where they can afford to consume daily if it's a med medical necessity. If you go to, an edible is the most expensive way to consume cannabis. And when you go to a dispensary, it'll cost you $20 and you're likely getting chocolates or gummy bears. Right. I'm not, I'm just not a fan of that. I think that if this is a sustainable a part of your right. diet, it should be in a soup, a sauce, or a salad dressing. Correct. And, and eat healthy meals that you're also eating functional foods. Let food be thy medicine. And that's, we're, we're right at the beginning of that now. I know we are. We've seen Whole Foods be acquired by Amazon because it was the best grocer in, in, in the U.S. And we're, we're just starting to push that. We're just starting to push personal wellness and, and patient responsibility. Most people get sick. They just want to go right to the doctor. Right. And like when I was a kid, my mom, the first five things we tried were home remedies. Correct. I want to go back to that time, but in a more scientific format. Right, right, good. And provide the tools that a person can use to do that. Yeah, don't, don't go to an antibiotic every time. Long term, it's probably not the best thing for your microbiome. Actually, it's not the best thing for the country, for the world. It's for the, yeah, just... Because those, those antibiotics that you take end up in the water system, end up in the oceans, end up in the fish, end up in the entire food chain. It, it really wrecks our ecosystem. Absolutely. Because we're Absolutely. not, you said it earlier, everything on this planet has a balance. Correct. And, and we're not using the natural balances. This is the, one of the interesting things about mushrooms. Mushrooms are one of the only extracts or plants that the pharmaceutical industry hasn't been able to enhance. So when you right. just look at it in its raw state, it's better than anything you're going to get from a Merca Bear or, or a Pfizer. And when you, when you just think about that in the most simplest of form, we're so close to nature taking over. That's why I'm, uh, that's why I'm so excited about the future, is I look at it and I see it. I see the world as a round, a round sphere, and there's no angles. People don't have angles in the future because it's too transparent. Sure. And the cannabis testing, that's... The most beautiful thing that's come out of the cannabis, in my opinion, the most beautiful thing that's come out of the cannabis industry to date is the depth to a COA where 
a customer gets to see the chain of custody right. and, and the testing results of what they're about to ingest. Right. You'd be shocked, for, for my friends out there that are listening, you'd be shocked if you saw the nutritional quality of an apple that you eat. Right, and absolutely. It's, it's been genetically modified to be sugar. Right. So that way it doesn't and rot. And genetically modified to last for a year and a half, two years. Yeah, nothing falls off a, nothing, nothing falls off a tree and stays alive for a year and a half. <laughs> Yet, you know, isn't it weird how no matter what time of the year, you can go to the grocery store and still find a crystal green, beautiful apple. Perfect. They're perfect. Yeah. And think that that wasn't perfect. frozen. Think that that wasn't perfect. frozen and it didn't turn brown after it thawed. Come on. How did that happen? And it, but that's where we're going to is we're going to a spot where you can get a COA from an apple on a QR code and understand the nutrient quality of what you're about to ingest. Right. And when we get to that level of transparency and then you put AI behind it, I do think that these functional foods will start to extend life and food will eventually be thymedicine. medicine. Absolutely. And it, realistically, the protocols that help that happen are going to have been inspired by cannabis. Yes, yes. I just, just hope that the cannabis industry survives that till we get to that point. It will. It will. I don't think, again, you can't put the cat you back in the yeah. bag. You can't call Old Blue back. Old Blue, come back in. The fence was open, though. No. Old Blue is down the road. He's already running down the road. You may ride down there and pick him up in the car, but he ain't going to be tied down to a nope. pole anymore. So, but there could be a lot more ease by which this is done. And I hope that we don't turn into a situation where, again, this whole you know, contracting of the industry doesn't turn into some sort of form of legislative contraction also. I'll hope that. We'll hope that. But I don't think it's going to. I, I, I don't think it can at this point simply because, look, when you started cannabis, you were a pioneer in it. You were, you were out, on a, out on a limb, and a lot of people discounted your therapy as pseudoscience or, right. or some, somebody trying to get attention. And in reality, you paved a new road for patients to really follow behind in a wake without all the bumpiness because you right. figured a lot of it out there in that wake there's been millions of other patients that stepped in and paved their own roads right. and there's just fresh powder getting put down every day where people are getting their own trails and figuring yes. out that look this is my path towards happiness this is my path towards joy towards wellness and and for some people even towards wealth it's okay that the cannabis industry makes people wealthy. Correct. I'm not. I'm not upset at that. Nothing wrong. I'm not with upset that at that. It's actually great because I. You need wealth to create jobs, to have philanthropy, Correct. to help others. Correct. It, it, the there's two major ends of this spectrum, if you will, in my mind. There's there's this one where you're overly entrepreneurial and you've completely forgotten the community that you support. Remembering that there's a patient on the battlefield. And then there's the other side on, on you're so philanthropic that you can only help one person. Right. And neither one is the right answer. It's the road in the middle where profits help pay for helping the unserved and underserved. Correct. And uh, the one thing I will, I'll pat myself on the back a little bit and our team on the back about, that's what we focused on is how do we take profits, repurpose them to help more people? And that's how you build a brand. And what I, what I think today, the biggest brands in this industry don't even exist. Nobody knows right. who they are. Everybody's out there trying to pound their chest like, I'm the most badass. I got the... 
You're nothing. This You're is nothing. just the beginning. Like it's you, just the beginning. Nobody knows who you are. It's the first canvas on a wagon going across the dusty trail to the west. Garen, I got to say thank you so much, sir, for being here today. We're out of time, but I'm going to offer you an opportunity to come back anytime. Anytime we can be within you know, a mile or two of each other, let's get back together and then make sure we provide more information to those out there who really, really need it. Montel, I love you, and thank you for everything you do. Keep spreading your magic like butter. And look, I, can we do a giveaway to your people? Absolutely. So around this podcast, let's do a, a six magical butter machine giveaway. Okay. People who comment in, in wherever you post this, we're going to support you with 30 machines. Right. And, and on your different formats, give them away. Let's help people and show Absolutely. people the beauty of magical butter. Well, you know what we'll do is I'll, if you're going to give me that many, what I'll do is I'll spread it out over podcasts and I'll say, you know, we'll, we'll do some randomized way to do it. So, you know, if you comment correctly, we'll look at the top 100 comments and just randomly pick one and boom, it. we'll send a machine to you. Together we win. I, Together that, we win. That, that speaks for the audience and that Thank speaks you. for you. I love you. Thank you, sir. Thanks Thank you so much. We're out of time. Make sure you tune in to the next Let's Be Blunt with Montel. And again, our guest today was Garen Angel. Make sure that you go up on his website, and that is angelatmagical.com. Angelatmagical.com. Tune in to the next Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Are you dealing with best life burnout, constantly striving for more, and quite frankly, over it? Maybe you just want more joy, peace, and laughter in your life now. Well, then let's go. Welcome to your new favorite podcast, Hot Happy Mess, hosted by me, your girl, Zuri Hall. We are celebrating our magic in the middle of life's messes. Don't miss new episodes every Wednesday. Listen to the Hot Happy Mess podcast on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.